1: Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to a special bonus episode of the podcast. My name is Kerry Newhoff, and I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. Well, my guest today is Mike Todd. Once again, you're saying, wait a minute, didn't we just hear him yesterday? Answer, correct. Uh, But Mike and I caught up, and we bring you up to date on what's been happening since we first talked in February. So yesterday's episode, we talked all about the remarkable story of Transformation Church, uh, but Mike and I caught up for a shorter conversation and I said, what's been happening since COVID-19? What's happened since mid-March? And uh, man, this is as good or better than the first interview, as good as it was. So uh, we were going to do it uh, originally just to tag on to the first one. I thought, nah, this deserves its own episode. So welcome along. We are so glad to have you. If you're new to the podcast, um, hey, here's what we do. We just try to deconstruct uh, leadership conversations the kind of conversations that you would want to have if you were meeting with these leaders live, and uh, that's what I have the privilege of doing. Love to bring you these backstage conversations. And today's episode is brought to you by Generis and by Pro Media Fire. Uh, so glad to have Mike back on. Mike is the lead pastor of Transformation Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And he has spoken at so many different conferences around the world and had a meteoric rise as a lead pastor of that church. What you're going to hear in this episode is that they have actually grown 10x since the whole corona crisis started. And yeah, they actually had online metrics before that. So this is not like in-person to online attendance. No, their online attendance has 10xed and giving has gone way up. I ask Mike why? Why? And I think if you really listen carefully, what you're going to hear, uh, for those of you who are church leaders, or frankly, for those of you who run any kind of organization, is you're going to hear the future. I was joking with Mike that I wanted to call this episode, The Future Called. His name is Mike Todd. Uh, I would really, really be paying attention to what's happening in Mike's leadership, the way he leads. I think there are a few who are doing it better these days. And if you want to look at where the church will be in five years, I think this interview is a good little snapshot of what's ahead for all of us. Hey, did you guys know a recent Barna poll found that 59% of churches are growing since COVID-19? One company who's been helping churches grow during the crisis is Pro media Fire. They immediately launched the great news social media campaign, helping churches share hope around the world for free. And at the same time, they jumped into action with every single client they had for digital coaching and to help maximize this moment to reach people online. So now what they're doing is opening the doors of their church growth program, which combines ProMedia Fire and ProWeb Fire plans. And they're offering 40% off for a limited time. So if you realize that digital has a future, which it might uh, strongly, <laughs> the church growth program includes a dedicated digital coach, a creative team, a web team, and a social media team for less than the cost of a staff hire. Program is limited. Only a few churches get in, so don't miss out. Go to promediafire.com forward slash church growth to apply and book a digital strategy session with the Promedia Fire team and get 40% off for a limited time. You can go to promediafire.com forward slash church growth for that. And you probably also noticed, you're like, okay, giving is not where it was. Or, frankly, to be really honest with you, a lot of churches are actually doing just fine. And I had a conversation recently with Jim Shepard from Generis. And one of the things that really hit me is he said, you know, not every church has been flattened by this. And in fact, that always happens in crisis. There are some organizations that advance, some that stay frozen, and some that decline. And Jim's got some really interesting thoughts. He's also got a brand new resource that they would love to give you for free. It's a free video called Fund the Vision. And Jim Shepard gives you some incredible insights on how to build a thriving culture of generosity that lasts. So you can go to generis.com forward slash carry. That's generis, G E N E R I S dot com forward slash carry, C A R E Y to learn more. They have been helping churches thrive in generosity for over 30 years, and they're seeing remarkable results. So whether your giving is growing, whether it's flatlined, or whether it's behind, head on over to generis.com forward slash carry. Get the free funding video now and get your church back on track, making advances financially. The crisis doesn't have to flatten you. It doesn't have to flatten you. And generis can help. Hey, just want to say thanks. We've had over 8,000 leaders sign up for my crisis leadership course. If you've missed out, text the word crisis to 33777 or go to howtoleadthroughcrisis.com where you can jump in today. And in the meantime, uh, this this conversation is a little reflective uh, and goes deeper than the one Mike and I had at lunch the day I was in Tulsa. And I'm so glad to be able to bring it to you. So here we go. My second conversation in two days with Mike Todd from Transformation Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mike, welcome back. Last time we met, dude, it was a whole other world. Didn't we live on another planet?
0: (laughs) It was an entirely different world without who I like to affectionately call Auntie Rona. She (laughs) is a bothersome woman that has come into all of our lives and made us stay at home and sit down somewhere.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. But I, I, you know, When uh, you and I met, you were such a gracious host. We had an incredible interview, which our listeners have heard. But then you and I went upstairs to your office, had Chick-fil-A, and just shot the breeze for an hour. It was incredible. And that's when I thought, gosh, I should have had the camera and the mic rolling because you were just (laughs) dropping so much gold. And uh, here we are in the middle with Aunt Rona uh, visiting us. And uh, we're, all, we're all in lockdown, or by the time this goes live, progressive opening, whatever that means. But it's a crazy future nobody signed up for. Yeah. And you were killing digital church long before the rest of the planet got on the back.
0: <laughs> I, I would not. I won't take that, uh, that accolade. But uh, we were just trying to be faithful with what we had been given. Uh, a lot of our story has to do with... Um, social media, online, YouTube. And so, um, anywhere that I believe God blesses or gives you stewardship responsibility, you got to kind of work it there. So, we were just trying to work it where we are at, and nobody knew we were all going to be here um, like this.
1: So, for those of you who may have missed the uh, earlier part of the interview where we told that story, it is there. Um, so, you you can get the whole deal, and what a surprise it was. I mean, a church of... You know, two hundred to four thousand yeah. in no time, and then all these people. I think you said a quarter million would show up online, but that was all pre-Corona. Yeah. And uh, what what were your big lessons? Like looking back on it, the whole world just got split in two, right? Yeah. So we're looking up until the middle of March, what would you say? Okay, Carrie, here are my top two or three insights
0: on hey. online. Online, uh, number one, um, it doesn't have to, the number one insight that I have is it doesn't have to blow up today. If you're consistent and faithful, it can have the same impact as if you did it that moment uh, two years from now. And I, I think that's the one thing that we learned with relationship goals. It was being faithful that made us fruitful Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that a lot of people are looking for how many clicks they get this week and how many, how many people viewed or how much engagement is happening right now. But especially with YouTube and content that you're putting up from podcasts and all those different things, the beautiful thing about technology is if somebody finds you, they didn't find everything that comes with you. And a lot of times we discount the consistency and the faithfulness of a thing because we're not seeing the explosion or the conversions or all of those different things. And I'm telling you, if if relationship goals uh, would have been the first thing that we had put out and it blown up, um, it would have gone like this and shot right back down. But it was because of there was two years worth of content that had less than 150 views on them, and most of them were my mother and her friends. <laughs> like, if, if 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 that wouldn't have happened, people wouldn't have gotten... Um stuck in our ecosystem mm-hmm. to be able to find more content and to be able to help them in their lives and give them faith and give them hope and all that other stuff and so my first insight about digital and doing anything in this is you're not really working for today you're working for tomorrow hmm. and and if people could grasp that, they wouldn't be so frustrated about what it's doing at this moment and 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 kind of discouraged because I mean, tons of times we put things up and nothing happened in that moment. But then the right scenario, the right situation, the right um, person posting it or looking at it or getting touched by it, it creates a whole new life for it at any moment. And so that would be the first insight, Carrie. Um, you have I, any others? Yeah, I'd love yeah, to unpack it. Um, I got some questions okay. already, dude. <laughs> okay, the second insight that I would say about doing um, digital and all that other stuff is honestly you have nothing to lose this is this is this is f- for the most part outside of the technology that you need to do it but if you have a cell phone it's free And a lot of times I think people are contemplating so much um, what they put and when they put and how they put and they're, they're trying to be so calculated with their um, with their content and expression that they don't get the feedback. The one thing about social media and Instagram and YouTube and Facebook, you get instant feedback, whether it's one person or one million people. And a lot of people are holding back what they have because they want it to be perfect, but they're the only one um, who is perceiving it. And so a lot of the things that I've learned is from the end user. Like a lot of the things that I've learned is like, wow, People are really being touched and blessed by how authentic and raw that video was that I made in my closet, as opposed to the one that I had all the lights and the the $10,000 cameras and the, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. And so I just think that, um, listen, if it's bad, you can take it down. If you said something wrong or that's a thing, like take it down, like monitor it. But I think a lot of people are playing it so safe at this moment yeah. and, and they're walking in I dare say pride, like, because they're trying to keep this certain image in certain, but the playing field is even now. I don't care if you have a budget of $50 million or you have a $5 budget, as long as there's a cell phone and a window around, everybody has an even playing field as far as the content that they can produce. Saturday Night Live is happening from people's phones and over Zoom and Skype. The news is happening. from, And so I just think people have to let that pride die and have some humility to be like, ah, I missed that. And I could have done that better or the word was wrong on the caption, but I put it out. And then the people that are watching will help you shape content that really inform and impact their life. Hmm.
1: Those are great insights. And you raise a really important thing, which is in the church, we have this habit of going to next Sunday, next Sunday, next Sunday. And you're in the next Sunday circuit, just like everybody is, right? Sunday's coming with amazing rapidity. However, what you said in your first insight, can you talk a little bit more about the difference between what we might call on-demand Netflix-style content? versus, you know, here comes this Sunday and who's watching live? Because a lot of the attention right now is on live. Yeah. But there's something about the archive, isn't there?
0: Oh, man, uh, I would I would be, um, before corona happened, I would say that the amount of people that watched me live was 15% of our total weekly viewing audience. So I would preach to about uh, 4,000 people in the room And probably about fifteen to twenty thousand online live, and then throughout the week, two hundred and fifty thousand people would watch that same message, and and so um, I'm I'm and then the week after that, another ten thousand people, and the week after that, another ten thousand watching the same message, not like a different message, but the Mm -hmm. same message. And so, like you go back, and today there's a half a million people that watched the series that I did in January. But their new people are finding it. It's speaking to their everyday life right now. It may be where they're at in their business, their family, and their situation. And because, man, what a time to be alive hmm. as a pastor, as a believer, that your words can stretch longer. This is the health of your soul like that you don't pour out for uh, three days trying to get a message and then the 40 people who decided to come to church that day are the only people that hear it but that it can be viewed and heard and as real as it was in the room for somebody in their bedroom or on their jog. And um, I really think that that's how I think now. Yeah. And I've been there for the past probably year and a half, but our team knows like, and some people take this the wrong way. Um, I am a pastor at heart. I care about the sheep that God has given me. And our our job is to represent God to the lost and found for one reason. And this is the big reason, transformation in Christ for us. Hmm. And so I know the more people that hear the message, the more chances they have to be transformed in Christ. I have sacrificed the uh, pat on the back of butts and seats. Like, oh yeah, we killed it, we was jam-packed and da-da-da-da-da for the more elusive um, win, but the eternal win of transformation in Christ. And so um, one of the things that I've told our team is that on Sunday mornings, this is a big production studio. We are trying to gather the best experience in the room with these people so that we can export this to the entire world for the rest of our lives. And when when you think like that, it changes what graphics you may put up. It changes the language you may say when um, you're talking. That's why one of the things that we do, if you ever watch Transformation Church, I don't say, um, hey, I'm grateful for all the people who are in the building and then all of y'all who are out there. I call everybody Transformation Nation. Hmm. And what that does is that that gives people like, oh, he's talking to us, like language that makes people feel included.
1: What you're saying is really, we got to think Netflix. And you think about The Office, right? Like, I think The Office now has the most streams and everybody in the middle of this crisis is watching The Office, (laughs) myself included. But But right, there's
0: something- They want to go back to work and they (laughs) miss The Office. Well, at least with Michael Scott, right? Yeah, but
1: the whole idea is that show went out of production seven years ago and it's the most watched thing
0: today. Wow. And and I just think that if 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 especially for pastors or leaders or any content creators, if you really believe in the content that you're talking about, if you really have a great story to tell, and I just happen to believe we have the greatest story in the world to tell, mm. like, why wouldn't you put it in a place in in a um a venue where it could live on and on and on and on. And um, for me, I just think that the the stewardship of my family, my time, as well as um, the the word that I've been given to share, it only makes sense to start thinking in that way.
1: So what's happened since coronavirus, the great disruption, everybody's world got turned upside down, so did yours. What's happened to online traction since you've had no in-person?
0: Man, it is almost the scariest thing in the world. Like, I don't know if when they let us back in, I'm going to go back to having in-building meetings. We have have 10X'd everything.
1: And you had online metrics ahead of time. I think one of the things everybody's struggling with who just kind of got online is they're like, I don't know, is this like real or what was it? But you have A-B comparisons of pre-corona versus during Corona.
0: Oh, definitely. And we have seen online engagement. We have seen well, this is the metric that's gonna matter to most pastors. Our giving has doubled. Wow. And and so I mean a hundred percent more. And I, I I I say that to say that it's real to the people. Like if you could get over you and like get over like how it feels to you, I am breaching in an arena that seats 4,500 people with less than 10 people in it every week. Mm-hmm. But it is real to the end user. And so if I get out of how it makes me feel and nobody's hollering back at me or nobody's clapping in that moment and I tailor and I, and I move my um, execution to another level of effectiveness, what ends up happening is the people are still getting touched. They're getting help. They're getting healed. They're they're finding all of the answers that they're looking for in a live experience. And there is no way, Carrie, that we could have fit the amount of people that we reached last week into our building if we had 20 services.
1: <laughs> That's insane. So your giving is doubled. And just take people—I don't know whether this was in the interview because it's in production right now or whether that was at lunch—but to the extent that you're comfortable— you had a budget much larger already than a church of 4,000 in-person attenders would have normally produced, correct?
0: I'm not sure. I haven't seen a whole bunch of people. You would be more uh, apt on that than me, but I did know it was abnormal. And, um, one of the things that, um, for our organization, and we post this stuff online, so I'll give, I'm hot. I live humble, open and transparent because right. that's the type of leader that, uh, I believe that people follow. And that's the type of, um, help that you can get. So I'll give real numbers here on the Carrie new off podcast. I'm going to give real numbers. All right, Mike. When I started pastoring the church in 2015, uh, million came in. That was everything that came in. That's all salaries, insurance, uh, every event we're doing, everything. 2016, um, the word was beyond. And so I started with that 350 people. And um, we just started teaching them on giving, teaching them on um, um, using their hands to show their heart. And I'm a 28-year-old pastor at the time, just trying to beg people to stay. But we had faith to believe. And that year we gained four hundred thousand dollars in the the budget. So, no, no, excuse me. One point two. When I came in one point six, 2016, 2017, everything um, blows up at the end of 2017 online.
1: That was a magic tweet that changed everything. Yeah,
0: two million people watched it. And then we had content there already. So people were able to start devouring the context. And honestly, what people don't understand, they were able to try us out before they participated with us. And they got to feel the heart and the, the ideas and the vision behind it. And so they're like, okay, I don't have to take this long, bold step and like be a part with, I could do this from the privacy of my home. So um, in that year, when we when we get to 2017 and then we go into 2018, it jumps from 1.6 to 7.2. Okay, and and the reason I tell people this is because my in-person intended attendance grew to about 1,500 people, 1,500 to 2,000. And
1: 1,500 people generally do not generate a seven point whatever million dollar budget.
0: No. No. So it was fifteen hundred to, to, to two thousand people. And so now let's go two thousand eighteen to two thousand nineteen. Okay. So two thousand eighteen, we're seven point two million dollars. Um I'm I've lost my mind as far as like how in the world did this happen? But it was all um online that was giving and participating, and then 2019, we gained two thousand twenty five hundred members in the church. Okay. Right. So we go from 2000, and I'm saying consistent. I mean, the number is higher than that, but I always like to be super conservative when it comes to numbers of people, because it just gets weird. And uh, I know people will say they got 50,000 people in a church and then it's like 200 people there on Sunday. It's just, I don't like that. So we, so 4,000, 4,500 at the most consistently coming. The budget goes from 7.2 to 22.5. So there's no logical um, <laughs> explanation for what is happening, except people who cannot get to this location. And that's the other thing people gotta understand is a lot of times people think like, well, I don't want to put it online because I don't want, I don't want the people to vote whether to come or not to come to the actual physical location. Like, yo, like, no, that's not the right thought. Like, there are people. In a state away from you or a city away from you, that is just too much for them to actually come to your location or come to your event, but they would pay. Be a part, serve, tell people about it if you would make it available. And that's kind of the approach that we went. We we wanted to make it available for as many people as wanted to be a part. And when we added value to their lives and added value to their families and added value to their leadership journey, they also added value to our um, organization by telling people about it, by sharing it with their friends, by posting it on social media, and then all the way to giving to it. And so um, nobody will ever be able to convince me that online is a a byproduct or a side piece. We have seen more um, transformations, more salvations, more people getting baptized by what is happening through a screen.
1: Dude, that's fascinating because you and I, I'll come back to giving in a moment, but I want to drill down beyond the finances. And you and I were texting last week and I was asking you how you measure metrics. And you said something to the effect of, yeah, I'm not paying attention to all the big numbers. You're focusing on a few key engagement measures. Can you yeah. talk about that for a moment? What's got your attention as to, hey, are we making progress or not? So that's a big debate right
0: now. I think one of the things that um, the church especially has been locked to is number of people in attendance and membership. And I think both of those numbers are antiquated numbers, honestly. Um, I think some of the polls, you would probably know them better than I do, that say that basically every six weeks, like you can tell who's a part of your church, like because they come once every six weeks and that's counted as a faithful church attender. Well, I mean, that means my numbers are super inflated and 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 probably not very accurate to make decisions off of if I'm seeing my church every six weeks. So membership and butts and seats, that's not a very accurate number. The other one um, being uh, um, attendance and people in here, well, we don't have any buildings to uh, <laughs> count people in at this current moment. And so Uh, I'm not saying that they're horrible numbers, but I am saying that they're not not the most telling. I think for me, we've changed the word membership to partnership. Mm. And um, because let's just honestly talk about it. How many people have memberships to gyms and don't go to them? Like how many people have memberships to subscriptions that they don't use? Like a membership number is not the end goal for us. We want partnership. We want you to engage. So I look at engagement numbers like um, if people are giving, If people are commenting on what we are um, talking about, if they're actually engaging with the content that we put out. So a YouTube number for me is much more reliable than um, somebody saying, yeah, I went to your church once last last uh, month. Well, I don't know when you came and all that, but I do know if somebody viewed on that day and it took the viewer count up. And so I just think that those for us have been more guiding metrics to what we are doing and how we are seeing effectiveness and then what we need to do to continue to um, be intentional and get better and keep working on it.
1: How do you turn viewers into engagers with the view of engagement being that someone makes a faith decision? Somebody says, I'm going to partner with you. Somebody invites their friends. Somebody gets serious about following Jesus. What, What do you do to get because that's a big criticism, right? It's like, great, yeah. you got a million, I don't know, what. But like are they actually disciples, but you've seen a lot of fruit in that area.
0: Oh, huge. And I think that attitude is one that attitude that people have is one of pessimism. Mm-hmm. Um like I honestly, I think that anything you bring uh the right attitude to will work better for you. And so I would just encourage anybody who has that attitude, honestly, um, because some people would have not made this jump unless the the world and God and everybody else was in this allowed us to be in this position right now. But now that we're in here, my thing is, man, bring the best attitude is it to it. OK, we got 400 people who viewed how do we take a percentage of those and get them to engage? How do we get them to partner? And I think you'll find a lot more solutions in there. The things that we do, number one, we believe in today's age, authenticity is the highest form of exchange. It's more, it's more um, valuable than money. Authenticity, and people don't think that because the church has been so buttoned up for years that that we want to present a, a a level of excellence that everybody knows is not real. Everybody knows it, like everybody knows it. But we still try to somehow keep to this. And I think that our biggest um, way to convert people from uh, watchers or viewers to people who partner is authenticity. And I know it may seem disconnected, but anything you believe in for real, you actually figure out how to get closer to any anything that um, people know that they really believe it. like you can literally talk to somebody who you don't like what they like, but because they're so passionate about what they like, it makes you be like, well, maybe, maybe I should give that a try. (laughs) And I think that authenticity, um, it really, I would love for pastors to say, hey, guys, um, we are in a season we've never been in before. This is our fifth week streaming. And honestly, um, the giving has been down because I know people are struggling. I think that one of the things I would ask you to pray about is helping us be a life-giving source to you, your family, and everybody else. If there's anything that you could do, pray about, about giving as we're in this time, um, we would be so grateful for that. Well, that bit of authenticity that that says like we don't have it all together mm-hmm. would make not everybody, but a few people that could would be like, hey, I I felt that. I, I own a business i've led something before and i think that is a way that you got to turn it in i'll give you one more carry because I can keep going bro this i know I could keep me. going
1: all day and you squeezed us in which is so awesome
0: man I love you man you're a great interviewer, <laughs> Likewise. So. I, I dude, love this. dude we could so, go all day so so we're gonna have to do a part three yeah That's we're gonna what do, we're part we'll do okay, a part I'm, three i'm down for that so, so one more thing to convert them is you got to let people see themselves on your platform. A lot of people don't understand that we are in the greatest marketing era of the world. And you don't have to even be the one to make the content. If you create an ecosystem where people can post and create content and you will basically pay them by shouting them out and reposting their content and it becomes a thing you literally get to choose from a bunch of marketers and what they put up and you get to brand your um, experience or organization or um, a message through other people's lenses. And there is still no better marketing than word of mouth. Mm. Like when you hear it from somebody who experienced it, that's when people are like, I feel kind of like she felt. Or I feel kind of like he felt, maybe I should check this out. And so that's why on Instagram, I repost all kinds of stuff. But what people don't understand is I repost what people are posting. I don't have my team making up all of these things to post about us because that would be the wrong image that we're trying to produce. We're trying to say, hey, other people just like you have experienced this and are being helped by it. Maybe you would too. And I'm telling you, it is the strongest marketing tool to take people from just viewing it to engaging in it and partnering with it. And it has worked very well for the message we're trying to get out to the world.
1: Well, this could be a, a much longer interview, and I so appreciate it. We worked hard to get this uh, half hour with you. Um, what, I'd, what I'd love to ask is just on a really practical level. So, yeah. I mean, you've got over a million Instagram followers, and you, know, you have just what would the number be now if it was a quarter million before checking you out? It's like in the millions at this point, right? It's great. Since the coronavirus. It's
0: It's insane. (laughs) So
1: Mike Todd doesn't sit on his phone all day liking and like commenting back. And I'm thinking about smaller church pastors who might be getting overwhelmed. Do you have a team engaging teams of volunteers, people who are helping with that? What does that look practically
0: uh, like? So let me be very practical right now. I still do probably 60% of my social media. Wow. And the reason for that is because it is ministry. Mm. And most people don't see it like this. Most people do not see the engagement with real people. And if I think I'm right, I think pastors are supposed to be with the sheep. <laughs> but, but, I, and I just want to say this, and this is a new paradigm, so I'm not... I'm not um, coming at anybody, but I'm just trying to challenge the way you think. Where are your sheep? Your sheep are on social media. Your sheep are watching these different platforms and getting all of this stuff. And so what I'm trying to do is engage with my sheep on a level. A lot of times, not just one-on-one, but on a level that they can be able to feel me, experience me. I post stuff about me and my wife, my kids. I post stuff. And again, this is all about your comfort level. Cause a lot of people have different rules on this. I have people that I have never met that come up to me and they know me Carrie. Mm-hmm. like, I don't know them, but they know me because, and that's how I'm able to pastor a mega church is because I I'll send a video to all of our partners Or I'll get on Instagram stories and tell people, hey, I've been doing this thing and this is crazy. And if I tell you the the positive ramifications from this, it's going to be crazy. I got a different cell phone and I, um, before Corona happened, it just so happens that it works into this. And I got that number and I gave out my cell phone number. And I gave out my cell phone number and I hooked it up to this automation system that can be able to... um, Gather the contacts of the people once they give us their information mm-hmm. and I can talk to them and all that other stuff. And so I've been going on Instagram live at like 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock, because I know people are just up. And I was like, hey, I miss you guys. I want to pray for you. I want to call you right now. I want to check on you, make sure you're doing good during Corona. Um, if you want me to text you, um, here's my number 918 1337 And I'll give it out to everybody and say, text me, I'm up. And thousands of people will text me and I'll call six of them
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and I'll, I'll call them on my phone. Hey, how have you been holding up? What have you been doing? That's fun. Hey, um, is there anything I could be praying for you for? And I mean, from tears flowing to people have lost their job and all that. And I pray for them and on Instagram live, I pray for anybody else who's feeling the same way. Terry, if I, if I can tell you that right now I have over 30,000 direct contact cell phone numbers that people have given me their information because this is the way they want to connect. Now, 30,000 people told me I like connecting with you like this. So if I throw it away, like it's nothing and I, and I I don't value this moment to be able to touch the people that can't go anywhere right now. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like we're missing a huge opportunity. So um, again, I I haven't answered your question, but I will know. No, you've answered it beautifully, but keep going. I just think that as pastors, I'm not saying to spend all your time on this because I have to still prepare messages. I'm the CEO of uh, a company. I have to do one-on-ones and I got date night every Tuesday (laughs) and I have three little kids that do not care about anything that I do outside of that house. And so, um, but what I would say is Um, I think that every pastor should just give a little more time to being intentional and figuring out how to connect with their people and deliver the good news that we have to deliver to your people through social media. And I think that um, now I've hired a guy that helps me find content and do different things like that. But it's usually um, them taking the message that I've already made and cutting it up in one to two minute. Um, situations, but it's only till like six months ago that I had that. Every clip before that, I was cutting up on iMovie by myself. (laughs) Dude, that's unbelievable. But I believed in it. And that's the the key. Do you believe in what you're doing enough to help it live beyond a Sunday?
1: Mike, anything else? (laughs) This is, dude, I mean, I'm like, I don't even, I've got a million things and We will do a part three. Do you have a final word? We got to. Yeah, you have a final word? My
0: encouragement to everybody is that God saw us here and God didn't want us to go around this. He wants us to go through it. So my encouragement to you is not to shy away from what's uncomfortable. Remember, growth and comfort are arch enemies. They never can coexist in the same place. So some of you may be a little older and be like, that's the young people stuff. Well, God's making it your stuff now. And some young people are just wanting to make TikToks for their youth group, but God's asking you to give them some more mature content. So you're going to have to study. Like, I'm just saying that in this season, none of us are comfortable, but that means we're all growing. So I would just encourage people, let's not go around it. Let's go through it.
1: Well, Mike, thanks again. Congratulations on the book. Relationship Goals is out now. And we are anticipating great things for that. Like we were saying before we started recording, I think people maybe have a few relationship issues right now, potentially,
0: (laughs) potentially. There may be a few happening and we just want to help people win in relationships. So uh, we would love for you to get that book and uh, stay tuned to everything that's happening at Relationship Goals with Relationship Goals.
1: Mike, so much respect. Thank you so much for spending extra time with us in an insane time. So appreciate Bro, you.
0: I love you, Kerry, man. Thank you, man. Love you too, Mike. Thank you. All right. God bless.
1: Well, I'll bet you love that. We do have show notes and uh, you'll want to drill down on some of that. You may even want to look at the transcript. That's all there for you free. Uh, go to Uh You'll see it there on the blog section and uh, you can get everything for free. We also threw this one up on YouTube. It's fun to look at, you know? And uh, so was the other one from uh, yesterday with Mike Todd. And we're doing three podcasts in a row. Are you ready for that? We got another one on crisis leadership. This one I loved. It's with a guy named Steve Cuss, who I met through a mutual friend. And he is a trained psychologist and shocked me. You'll hear this in tomorrow's episode about how anxiety actually manifests itself in leaders, including in my life. Uh, he helps leaders manage their anxiety. And there's a lot of anxiety as all the uncertainty ahead looms. Here's an excerpt from tomorrow's episode.
0: So what, I think what's going on in COVID is there's tremendous anxiety because no one knows what to do. There's very few people in the world that actually know what's going on. So true. And, and so we're anxious in ambiguity. Ambiguity is always a source of anxiety. And for most Type A leaders, not knowing what to do, particularly if people are asking you to do something, you're going to be more anxious. Second thing, Kerry is is obviously I wrote about yours and theirs in the book. Anxiety is always contagious in any group.
1: <laughs> right. And
0: and the most anxious person in the room has the most power. You, know, you just think about whatever. Oh, wow. Yeah, whatever staff meeting you ran you already know who the most anxious person in the room is. Not only that, everyone in the room knows who the most anxious person is.
1: So that's next on the podcast. You guys get that absolutely free if you subscribe. And uh, thank you, too. We have a growing audience in this season. If you're new, welcome. Please do subscribe. We love to take care of you. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about what Mike Todd talked about in terms of engagement in the What I'm Thinking About segment. I uh, also want to let you know about the guests that we have coming up. Sean Morgan, Tim Keller, Annie F. Downs just did a killer interview with her recently. We'll bring that to you next month. Ian Morgan-Cron, Scott Harrison from Charity Water. He and I were talking recently. He's going to be back on. He's got an important message he wants to share. ABC News' is Paula Ferris Near AL, and a lot of the other episodes that we're going to bring you, hey, they're, they're, they're still coming up. It's just, you know, we're talking crisis right now. Like Like everybody is trying to get you through this and us through this together. So what I'm thinking about, I am thinking about engagement. And what I'm thinking about is brought to you by our partners. Uh, if you are really challenged by why Mike's giving is so high and perhaps yours isn't keeping pace, Generis can help you. Make sure you check out generis.com forward slash carry and get the very latest video that they've got available to help you through this crisis with their principal. That's generis.com forward slash carry. And their Fund the Vision video will really, really help you sort of discover some of the things that maybe Mike has discovered along the way as well. And don't forget what's happening at ProMedia Fire. They have a very special offer right now. If you're looking to expand your online ministry and who isn't, there are a limited number of packages available for their very special ProMedia Fire team offer you can go to promediafire.com forward slash church growth and get a whole team working on your behalf. That's promediafire.com forward slash church growth. So here's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about how to get more engagement. And I want to drill down a little bit on what Mike Todd had to say, and I hope you didn't miss it. But he said, you know, a small percentage of his audience actually hears him live on Sunday morning. So even if you got 4,000 people in the room that day, which he would uh, back when they're open again or when they open again, or you know who knows if they'll open again. But you know if, if you've got that many people in the room, maybe you've got a couple thousand people, or in his case, 10,000 people watching online. All of the future views happen on demand. And this is what church leaders have never really figured out. I was on a call with a church leader earlier today who, you know, had a couple hundred people show up to his live event. But I'm like, you know, that could become 10,000 people if you play it right. What if you started cutting up your video uh, into small digestible chunks and sharing it on YouTube, sharing it on social? Uh, a lot more sharing happens that way than even live and in the moment. But in many ways, pastors and church leaders can, and even content creators, we continue to behave like cable TV did in the 90s. If you miss Seinfeld at nine o'clock, well, you got to wait till the summer to catch the episode or you forget it even aired. And, you know, we live in a Netflix Disney Plus world and so much more of your engagement is going to come from on demand rather than live. So what are you going to do about that? That's That's a really challenging question. And what I know, even in the blog I write, or frankly on this podcast, is that, you know, today they'll probably be you know, 20,000 people who access the podcast, but only a fraction of that is on today's live episodes. So we usually will get, yeah, somewhere between 15 and low 20, 22,000 views on a launch day or listens on a launch day. Uh, but a fraction of that, maybe 30, 40, at the most 50% is from the current episode. The rest is from the back catalog. And frankly, in in podcast world, you don't care what day something was released. You really don't care. You just want really good content. And you may scroll back. I get messages all the time from people who are like, just discovered your podcast, went back, listened from episode one all the way through. Like, wow, good for you. You know, there's like 340 of them or whatever, right? And that's what people do. And why would your church, why would your organization be any different? So that's a way to get engagement is to recycle and reuse your content. And you really want to track engagement. So I would say even more than the number of views, pay attention to the comments, pay attention to social media, pay attention in a church world for decisions. Anybody makes a spiritual decision, baptisms, people joining groups, volunteers. um, Anytime someone likes something, comments, follows you, shares, subscribes, decisions, that's engagement. That's way more valuable than just the number of three-second views you got on Facebook. And Mike has figured out in a really powerful way how to drive engagement. And I really believe engagement is the new church attendance. Reach is about breadth, but engagement is about impact. And what you want is impact. And I think if you're going to obsess over online attendance, you know, numbers of views and that kind of thing, you're going to be left with declining attendance because you failed to turn attendance into engagement. So, those are some thoughts along the way. I hope they help you. We will continue to talk about getting through this crisis together. If you haven't yet taken my free crisis course, we got some new resources we're working on, but the free ones are still up there. So you can go to com or text the word crisis to 33777. Thanks so much for listening. We are back again tomorrow with a fresh episode. Steve Cuss talking about leadership anxiety. Yeah, there's a little bit of that going on. I think you're going to love it. And thanks so much for listening. I hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before.
0: You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.